amenifanyia amani kaondoa so it says he's given me peace the almighty has given me peace has taken away my shame has given me more information to understand and to do that which pertains him this is a podcast called walk talk listen an attempt to connect people and make this world a bit better by sharing opinions and experiences based on the belief that everyone's perspective is true albeit partial my name is Maurice Blum and I would like to welcome you to yet another episode of Walk Talk Okay, good day everybody. This is another episode of the podcast Walk, Talk, Listen. And as always, I'm delighted with today's guest who will introduce herself. Christine, please go ahead. Yeah, thank you. Um, Thank you for inviting me to this. I am Christine Alphonse, uh, the founder and director of Safe Engage Foundation. And uh, with Safe Engage Foundation, it's more of a community community. youth focused youth and child, children focused organization where we work with children and youth towards um uh supporting communities to towards ensuring that uh, we protect children so towards ensuring child pr- protection and also ending harmful practices uh, uh around child marriage and fgm and also supporting children to understand their talents and actually um explore their talents towards advocacy so that's what we do at Safe Engage Foundation uh we also work with the um, youths to be as a change agents yeah so that's me and and I'm working with Safe Engage Foundation as the executive director mm-hmm. and the founder and and Christine um because we we might have listeners who are not really coming from the NGO sector as well so um I have two two uh, questions uh to you is one is uh, explain fgm uh you know what it stands for and um maybe firstly you know tell tell us where you're based and you know where did you grow up and how how then ultimately did you decide or got involved in this work because there is a very you know yeah there's a story behind this right why you are there where you are now well, thank you. So um, to just introduce what FGM is, uh, FGM is female genital mutilation. And female genital mutilation is uh, the cutting of uh, women's uh, genitalia uh, with actually no medical reasons. So um, for my community, I come from a Korea community in Migori County, Kenya. So it's uh, in Kenya, uh, the southwestern part of Kenya. And uh, FGM specifically is practiced in our community as a rite of passage and where it's used to prepare women to, I mean, girls to uh, womanhood. So like more of um, supporting, preparing girls to know their roles and responsibilities into taking up womanhood. And surprisingly, this is happening to girls who are between the age of eight to 15. So my my questioning every time is, if this is a rite of passage, why is it 
being done to girls who are really very young and not even ready to take up womanhood, to take up roles of being a woman, of being a, a wife to someone. But, well, this is also one of the things that has really ignited me to start Safe Engage. So Safe Engage Foundation, basically, we... We 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 started it or registered it in 2018, but its uh, its roots traces back more than that. I remember when I was um, just 13 years old. Uh, that's where maybe I could say the uh, idea of having Safe Engage Foundation came up in, uh, because at the age of 13, for me growing up as a young girl was looking forward to going through FGM, you know? Uh, like, it's because of the way it was being done. For girls, they're not allowed to go to the initiation grounds. Uh, when I talk about initiation ground, this is where the girls are taken to be cut, uh, to be mutilated in this case. So the girls who are taken to be mutilated are, are actually made to swear that they're not going to discuss this with anyone. But in turn, what the community does is they celebrate these girls openly. So uh, for the girls who are younger, who have not gone through the cut, they're not allowed to go to the traditional, the initiation grounds. But once the cut girls have been cut, they are taken out of the, the cutting grounds to the community streets. So to the community roads, being celebrated, awarded, gifted. So they're gifted, like uh, for me, it was more of, I saw some girls being gifted mattresses, being gifted um, new clothes, being gifted um, shoes. So for me, for the longest time that I have, I had been existent, I had never slept in a, my own mattress. I had never gotten new shoes apart from the shoes that were already, already torn. So I looked forward too because... I would get money, I would get new clothes. So that is what for us girls were seeing. So every girl growing up in my community will look forward to going for the cut okay. because we didn't know what really happens during the cutting season, the cutting in the cutting grounds. And no one talked to us about it until when I was 13. And I really learned about it. I learned about uh, how the girls go to, to the cutting ground. And this was brought to us by an organization. I remember it was called the Action Aid. They were actually sensitizing communities on ending stigma around people living with HIV AIDS. And when they came to our school, they talked about ending FGM as one of the ways that they can pro prevent uh, issues around spreading FGM, uh, I mean, spreading HIV AIDS. So for me, I was like, how how is the celebration and the dancing really affect it? spreading HIV AIDS. So they actually went deeper to tell us what happens in the starting ground, where it involves girls sitting in a line, like maybe 20 girls or more. And then a woman uh, 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 passes with a laser blade, cutting each girl at a time with the same laser, without even having any medicalization for the girls. So they, that pain, them seated naked and in front of people really big men and women in the community and the cutter cutting them one by one using the same laser. For me, that is where my mindset changed. But where I felt inspired of starting Safe Engage is when I went back home and shared that story with my mom, like shared about my mindset changing 
to not going for the cut. When I shared it with my mom, my mom was like, really broke down to tears and started telling me why I should actually say no to FGM really family and told me about my dad's death. Uh, well, my dad was killed protecting me from going through FGM when I was 80 years of age. At the age of eight, my dad was to be initiated into the, the clan elders. Um, the, the, that is the elders who are the custodian of culture. So my dad refused. And because one of the things that he was to agree with is to take me for for FGM when I was eight. And my dad refused and said he's not able to, he's not going to do that. And even took my brother, who was younger than me, to hospital circumcision and know the traditional ground cutting. Because in the traditional, they don't give any medicalization, medication to really cool the uh, the pain. So for me, it was so, so sad that uh, we had to go through all that. Mm. So my dad actually refused and said he cannot take his girl to be circumcised. I mean, to be circumcised. And for that, the elders were like, we are the ones who call the shots here. Who are you? So to just show that um, he should not influence more people to being to rebelling against the culture, against the practice, against the harmful practices, they actually dragged him into a forest one of the days. We don't know what happened there, but my dad came out one of the days and was very much in pain. And when he was rushed to the hospital, he told my mom to rush him to the hospital. When he was rushed to the hospital at the hospital bed, he actually uh, didn't even manage to get any medicalization, any, I mean, any, any medical attention. Mm -hmm. But it was like that. My dad passed on. But in that hospital bed before he passed on, he actually instructed my mom to make sure that he protects us. That is myself, my my three, my two sisters and my two brothers to ensure that all the sisters do not go through FGM and my my one brother who had not been circumcised doesn't go to be circumcised in the traditional ground. So at that point when my mom was sharing with me about how my dad died uh, when I was eight and remember this time I was 13, I felt like, wow, then this is a man who really stood for the right thing in the community. This means he understood, he wanted more people to understand this and the community elders did not want that to be understood. At that point is where I felt like, wow, it was not only like making sure that I protect myself only, but making sure that I ensure my sisters are not also going through the cut, are not going to go through the cut. And later I realized that there are other girls out there who do not even have this information. So I started club in school clubs in schools and basically this was to inform girls what happens in the cutting grounds that everyone hid from us as girls so i managed to continue talking with the girls during the girls clubs that is what when i was 18, 13 and so actually my activism work or my work towards ending fgm dates back mm -hmm. to when i was about 13 year old so wow. 
that is what actually inspired me to start Safe Engage Foundation so that I can have um, more, a greater outreach to be able to reach out to more, as many girls as possible. And later realize that it's not only FGM that affects children and girls, but the whole aspect of child protection. No one cares about children's rights. No one thinks and talks about how children can be involved in actually ensuring that they are taking part to solve their own problems and their own challenges. Yeah, so that's when we really thought of starting Safe Engage Foundation. Oh. Um, so I have a couple of questions around this. Uh, and thank you for sharing that, uh, Christine. Is So, you know, do you still remember your dad? Because you were eight years old, right, when he passed. Yeah. You still do. I still remember my dad because uh, we used to, like he was a great, a really great farmer. Mm. And uh, one of the, the farming parts that I remember is the cabbage farming. We okay. really used to like walk in the cabbage farms mm. and check whether the cabbages are okay. So I can remember that part so very, very yeah. well. Okay. Mm. And and it's pretty extraordinary that that he, you know, stood up for his children like that because it, you know, it was part of the culture. I mean, not not many others uh, stood up, uh, right? So uh, that's that's pretty uh, amazing. And well, I'm sure he's extremely proud of what you have set up. So tell, um, tell us, you know, so because you are doing different things. So how big is your organization, and what type of projects are you, um, you know, in which how many villages are you working? Tell us a bit about that. Oh, yeah. So thank you. So um, Safe Engage Foundation is not a very big organization, mm -hmm. but it's more of a community-based organization. And yeah. uh, we are, at the moment, we have like um, um, eight, uh, eight part-time staff members. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we have um, two full-time members. <laughs> And which I'm one of them, the full time. So we have two full time staff members and eight part time staff members. We also have over 32 volunteers, mm -hmm. community volunteers. And so what we do is um, we work with the villages. And um, uh, at the moment, we work with in Korea community only, that is the uh, Korea West and and Korea East sub-counties. And at the moment, we are very active um, uh, across more than 60 villages. Uh, but our programs are like talking into still, when you talk about wards, those are more of um, sub-counties of under sub-counties. <laughs> like the, the, the wards is more of uh, different uh, places that really makes up our a sub-county. So we are in two sub-counties, but not like in the whole part because of the resources constraints. So right now, the resources that we have, we can only um, go into four sub-counties out of um, of uh, 12 sub-counties that we have. Mm -hmm. So with the four sub-counties that we are working in, we are working in eight schools. We have adopted eight schools. That is the four primary schools and four secondary schools. And we are actually mentoring girls and boys there to be able to know about um, to know more about their rights and to know more about uh, gender-based violence and where they can come in as advocates for children and children's rights and also gender-based violence. Uh, we're also training. Uh, so one of the big, one of my big and very dear program is mentorship sessions. So the mentorship we do in 
schools. And for this, we aim to help children to understand what the uh, what FGM is, what child marriage is, why they should say no, where they can report to, and general life skills sessions and the importance of education because most of the children in our community would just drop out of school and get married because they feel like... Uh, they're not destined for greatness because of where the background puts them because maybe their parents do not have fee money to support their fees. So one of our dearest program is mentorship, which we do in schools. And then the other program is on um, sponsorship. So for the sponsorship, we partner with, for me, I really love the power of networking. Mm. So someone said your, your network is your network. So for me, the power of networking is really key because from our networks, uh, the Safe Engage Foundation is able to create, we are able to support children to go to school. Um, uh, that is through people who are donating to our organization and also through other scholarship opportunities that we get with partner organizations and other government entities. So we are able to support, I mean, propose children for scholarship based on their merit and vulnerability. And then the other program that we run is Women Economic Empowerment Programs. And um, if you can all agree with me that um, women, uh, women who are not economically empowered are more vulnerable to abuse. See, this is a woman who has grown and went to school maybe to the fourth or fifth grade. And then at the fifth grade, this woman is... Uh, circumcised or mutilated and then the next thing is he's been prepared to be a woman this girl is prepared to be a woman get married off this girl doesn't have any employable skills doesn't have any other thing that she can do to earn income so she ends up having children maybe by the by maybe five years she has five children this is a woman i mean a girl uh still under the age of 18, maybe more, 25, and she's not able to earn income to support her own family, not even make decision about her health. Mm -hmm. So this woman is, is, is dependent, dependent on the maybe parents or the husband who has married him. And so this husband has even more than two wives, two other wives. And um, with the background and all that, she's going through she's not able to even feed her own family so she's even van more vulnerable to any abuse whichever abuse that this woman this um man who has married him is able to put put her through and by that we 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 see women who are not even able to leave their own families because they feel like how will my children survive because they're being abused but they're not able to report they feel like if i report or if i go away from this family, out of this family, how will I make to support my children? How will I even make to support my own self? Because dowry was paid at my home, so I am not needed back there again. So, so much is going through. So what we do is we train them on hands-on skills. So that program is Women's Economic Empowerment Program. Mm. So we train them on tailoring skills, sewing and knitting skills. They're able to sew, knit, and do all that and earn small money. So this small money, they translate it to another additional income. So they they actually re reinvest this small money they get from knitting programs to being able to start their own small scale business. Mm. So from the small scale business, they're able to earn money. Some of them are not able to afford 
uh, health insurance for themselves, for their children. They're able to afford basic food and supportive and some of them are paying for their children's school fees so you see they're getting empowered economically and we know economically empowered women are able to make informed decisions about their health and the children's and their families well-being so that is what we are maximizing on the other program we have is parents engagement forums so for the parents engagement forums what we do is we train parents on positive parenting we train parents on positive parenting to actually know how to support their children, how to embrace their children, how to actually protect their children from harm, from harmful practices, from issues around defilement, or how they can even support their children to be firm in decision making. Mm -hmm. So we train the parents to do that. And also how more build a movement of parents who are against FGM. And then the other program that we have is um, children's programs where we have enlighteners. So for the enlighteners program, we train children on, we call it, we call it two names, enlighteners or tecton kids. So for the tecton kids program is they learn about computer literacy. And that has really seen more children being very, very excited with the programs and they are coming for the sessions. So we're training children on using how to use computers. And right now we'll be looking into uh, introducing children to programming and coding. So uh, for us, it's a community that children, even most of them do not have never seen a computer, have never seen, um, uh, it's called what? Uh, they have never seen a laptop. So most of them are very excited. And every time we tell them we are coming for a computer lessons, all the children, most of them will come. And now that's an opportunity to teach them what a computer is. And the same time, tell them about FGM, ending FGM and child marriage and ensuring child protection as a whole. Mm -hmm. So for us, that is also the other program that we run. And we have many other children programs where we train children to become advocates, uh, for themselves and for other children. So for us, children are at heart and we are supporting them whichever ways. And the last program that I want to talk about is village engagement. So we have village elders. Um, yeah. Those are from the government level. So like uh, the local government. So we engage the local government that is the village elders plus the, the chiefs to actually take the role of guiding their community members to be able to say no to FGM. And being that they are actually given an opportunity to look and um, man a small homestead, they're able to follow up and ensure that those children who are not going to school are in school. Those children, uh, those uh, to also know those parents who are uh, taking their children, who are going to take their children for FGM, and they can also propose their names to be added in their parents' engagement groups so that we can engage them to change their attitudes towards protecting their own children. Well, they also help us during the FGM season. We have FGM season. So like it's not done throughout the year. It's done during school holidays. Like in front of bars, children are going to, to be closing school for two months, two good months. That is November and December. And this is the time where we are seeing that children are going to be at risk of being cut 
And so we put more mechanisms in place to actually rescue these children. But sometimes resources do not allow us to rescue as many as we would want. But as much as we, we would get the reports from uh, the village elders keep reporting to us who are at risk and how we can protect them. So those are the programs we run and those are the sessions we do and the community. But our plan also is to ensure that our children uh, protection um, uh, approaches can be emulated or can be taken up by different organizations to support more other children, uh, not only in Kenya, but even across the world. We realize that FGM is not only happening in Africa, it's not only happening in Kenya, it's happening across the world, it's happening in Europe, it's happening in Asia. Uh, and this is mainly because of the immigrants and the beliefs that some people take. So mm -hmm. we have to ensure that we also help children to understand how they can protect themselves and also hold governments accountable to ensure that they're coming with laws and regulations that protect their own children. Yeah. That's pretty amazing, Christine. And, and uh, you know, it seems to me that it's a very holistic program and you work at the, not only with the children, but also with the parents and, and with the village uh, villagers uh, as well. Um, you know, but your 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 dad, when he tried to stand up, you know, he that cost him his life, right? So how is that with you and your organization? Are you not being, you know, are you being threatened or are you able to do your work? How, how is that? Uh, well, thank you for asking that. Um, uh, when I'm talking, we are when we're talking about my dad's life. That was twenty, twenty-two years ago. And um, uh, when what we can say is the community is starting to be very receptive. Uh, I mean, the community has started being very open to change because now this has been a talk like it's been talked about because it was a taboo even to talk about FGM in in a in a family setup or even in a meeting. If you talk about it, people would be like, "What are you saying?" But Look, right now, people have now actually, even in the radios, are talking about it. But let me say for sure, for real, it's not been easy, especially uh, I would really date it back to even in 2020. Recently, mm -hmm. it was not very easy. That's the year I received so much threats mm -hmm. for me and my family. Uh, we received so much threat from the community. But what really saved us is one of the things that we have to really um, embrace is the legal aspect, the fact that it is now declared illegal in Kenya, FGM is illegal in Kenya. And so the, the session, I mean, the, the communities are being enlightened and being told that this thing is illegal. And if you're caught doing it, there is, a, I mean, you can be, you can be prosecuted. There's so many years that you can spend in jail, depending on whichever crime that you're committed. So even threatening, uh, is a crime. Like if you're threatening me because I'm talking about FGM and I'm rescuing your children, then actually for those people who are threatening us, there were even someone by the children's officer, the children's department, the children's welfare department, and they were talked to. And so they even served as an example because it was taken to even our local radio station that people should not threaten people who are taking up the cause, the good cause of ending FGM. And so that was really an amazing talk with the government because the government now is actually mandated to protect us and as well protect the children but like the act of feeling in, insecure because sometimes 
changing communities' perspective on something they have lived believing in, and now you're telling them that it's not the right thing to go. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. Sometimes it brings about enmity. But the most beautiful thing is once they come to realize, because we have had about more than 10 parents who mm-hmm. were at one point were like, Christine, if I find you anywhere, I'll just cut you with a panga. And they were very furious because we rescued their children. But as we speak, all the 10 of them, they are ambassadors. They, 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 they are community champions towards ending FGM. That's one thing. So once their attitude gets to be changed, then they realize that whatever they were thinking it's a bad thing, it's a really a good thing. So that's one thing. We have to risk for others to also mm-hmm. get saved. But at the moment, uh, we are also getting a full support by the government. Because my by the time my dad was being killed, no one was talking about it. Even the government was so silent about it. Right, But right now... Everyone is talking about it. Churches are in talking about it. The government are in talking about it. So more people are getting enlightened and they are taking it. They're looking at it positively. That, that's great to, to, to hear, Christine. And, um, but that's what I, if I understood you, understand you uh, correctly, then you not only focus on FGM, on the female genital mutilation, but also on the violence against women. Um, is that correct? And and then there, um, you know, I, I guess the, the, the husbands or the men are not very happy if you help the, you know, their, their wives, I guess. So, so um, can you maybe tell, tell more about that? Yeah, sure. So uh, with gender-based violence, it's really tricky. And what we do is we engage both men and women. And uh, when we're talking about just changing attitude, because most of the times when we talk about uh, when we're talking about gender-based violence, it's also a matter of what people have really grown believing. Look at the patriarchal nature and way of life. So what we do is trying to also challenge the patriarchal nature and way of life in the community. So what we really do is we engage uh, in our community forums, as we said, in our our sessions, in our village sessions, we engage both men and women. And in the discussion, it really comes out from them. Like, what are the challenges? Like, we would even start with a, a simple question, like, what are the challenges? being experienced in your communities. And as they list the challenges, some of the challenges that they can list is men are violent with against women. And then we would just go deeper into digging about that. What causes that? And we would now go around challenging the patriarchal way of life. And by doing that, we actually engage both men and women. But you find that there are those men who are actually, even do not both are coming to meetings, Sorry. Uh, so there, there are those men who sometimes even do not want to come to meetings because they feel like they're being talked about <laughs> in the sessions. So most of the time, so that is more of, it takes more, so much uh, okay. effort because we have to even reach to them in their homes. But you find that those their homes even are also very violent. So what we do is we train the women who have come to the sessions to be positive into even talking with their men 
personally in their very good moods and to ensure that they even convince them to even come for some meetings or even convince them on some of the actions they take. So our idea around is to change the attitudes. So as we target to change the attitudes, but we get also extreme cases that really needs court interventions. We need that need legal interventions, and with that, we forward to organisations that can help with the legal, uh, legal advocacy. I mean, legal aspects, and they take that up. And some of them even need to be need to be rescued. Some of the women need to be rescued from their own marriages. So that we also work wholeheartedly with other organisations who can support such uh, big in, 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 in initiatives and interventions. Um, yeah, Christine. So, so you know, the the, the podcast is a spin-off of a hundred-mile walk uh, that I started uh, since 2012, um, and I did that walk to raise awareness about hunger, uh, poverty, and injustice. Um, but then, during you know, and I was accompanied uh, during those walks by other people, and we talked about life, etc. But during uh, COVID, I was not able to walk with other people. So then I started the virtual walk, you know. So we are now virtually walking with each other, uh, Christine. Um, my, my question to you about the walk is, if you would be asked to uh, walk 100 miles uh, in a week, um, yeah, for which cause would you walk? Would that indeed be for FGM or would that be another, uh, you know, reason? Well, for me, I would do the 100 miles walk mm -hmm. for the rights of children mm. to be upheld. When I'm talking about children, children are dear to me because for, uh, for children growing up tend to be very innocent. They don't know anything. And when things are hidden from them, the main things are hidden from them and they don't know. They're not able to speak for themselves. They're not able to make the right decisions. So I would work for child protection. I would work for the rights of children to be upheld and for the children to be told the right information that they need to know. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, you know, when, when I walk with others, we often talk about children, about youth. Um, and then... Um, we often also talk about uh, spirituality and, and religion. And I think the reason is that, you know, when you walk, you, you think about, you know, wh why are we here on earth? You know, what what uh, what is our purpose? Um, in, in a lot of the Western countries, uh, it seems that the younger generation is not going uh, to church anymore, or at least less. Um, but then people say, well, okay, they might not go to, to church anymore, but they're still very religious or they're still very spiritual. I would like to ask you, what do you see in your community happening among youth, you know, uh, with regard to religion and spirituality? Uh, wow. Um, with, in regard to religion and spirituality mm -hmm. and the youth and children, I'd say uh, with children... Uh, let me start with children because with children, most people believe in the supernatural God and they go to church. So when you go to churches, most of the people you will find in churches are children 
because their parents uh, have actually taught them about God and most of the children are there. But again, when uh, I want to echo um, a quote, I'm not sure by who, but it says, if you want to destroy a forest, start with the younger trees. It's because the younger trees are the ones growing to make the forest look the forest. And the same thing applies to our community. Many people are going for the young generation, especially with um, so much confusion around the world. There's so much confusion around the world, with especially identity and believing. Like people are challenging the idea of believing in a God. And so they... um tailoring their messages in a way that they are targeting the young generation, which believes into that message so much. And it's changing. It's not only, okay, the other time I was in America and there's so much that is happening anyway. And so uh, back in my community, children um, went to church, but youths, they're not, they're, they're not spiritual. They're not believing that there is a supernatural power. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, I feel like. Uh, the, so how, the how is the change happening then from, from child who to youth, you know, because you were saying, okay, they go to church when they're a child, but then when they're youth, there is something happening. So then they are not going anymore in your community. Yeah. So when they are in the youth age, you know, mm -hmm. when, get to the age of like you can make your own decision you're not mm -hmm. now relying on your parents to support you to let you know how what to do but like with the information especially with the technology mm -hmm. and the availability of information everywhere very confusing so they feel like i i, I know of a, a friend who was just telling me christine do you believe in a god <laughs> like you know this is a child who i mean this is a youth who grew up in a in a church Mm -hmm. But with the, the technology and the information being shared in social media and being shared in, in I mean, especially in social media pages, it's more of like, I mean, youths are getting confused. What do they believe in? What do they want to take up with? So basically, it's about being able to know about what is happening in the social media and what is happening in the real world and what is happening in the supernatural world. So basically, um, most of the youths are being plucked or drawn behind by the ideas of questioning the beliefs, by the ideas of many, many issues around questioning what they believe in and also like bringing up again issues that really are dear to them and like I think it's more of about the confusion that is going around in social media and all that so that's what is drawing many youths from actually believing in a supernatural God um yeah, a lot is happening in the world, as you as you mentioned. Um, what are some of the things that you worry about at the moment? Or maybe no, let's let's rephrase this. What are what is the what is the issue that you are most worried 
uh, about at the moment? Well, at the moment, the big issue that I am most worried about mm -hmm. is the issue of identity. That really worries me the most. The issue of who we are and what we need to do towards ensuring that our 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 virtues our our ideas are protected from being like fed i mean washed down by the many beliefs in the world the many confusion that is going on and the many things that are going on in the world right now what i am really really most uh, worried about are the children who are growing to this world of confusion this world of many beliefs that are shaping the way we live, the way we believe in things. So for me, my big worry is about the children who might get confused with the technology around. Mm. So, so, so for me to understand, is do you mean that that uh, they don't know? Do you see? You know, you're worried about the fact that they have no purpose in their life, or or can you? Try to explain it a little bit more, the, the identity to me. What do you mean with that? Uh, so uh, for me, being uh, someone who believes in God mm -hmm. and really looking into ideas such as uh, being able to know that God is a supernatural God who created this and this and uh, is able to help us grow into like freedom or grow into uh, a world that respects each other uh, and also understanding that uh, there is uh, the issue of using, I mean, uh, using the technology to advance our lives to a better life. So the whole aspect of knowing where we can stretch to as human beings. So for example, if I'm talking about the issue of identity, giving a, a serious thing that I am worried about, this is a child who's growing. And there is this world, this, this other side, which is saying, you know, we just evolved. We just, there's no supernatural God. There is no, no spirit, the supernatural being that we should believe in. And the other, other aspect of, there is the God, there is the one who created you. There's the one who really wants you to live in a, a a good life, and so those two contra contradicting things will confuse a child not to even question why am I existing? How am I existing? How who I who am I? You see, so that is the aspect that I'm talking about. Okay. That is based on the spiritual life mm. that we live in. And and where are you, are you still seeing hope? And if so, where? Well, I am seeing hope. I am seeing hope. And I am seeing hope with the generation that we are mentoring to become. I am seeing hope in children because if uh, when proper values or values are instilled in them to believe that they are created by God to be who they are, and they are able to actually acknowledge that, then there is hope. For me, I believe that there is hope with children when they have the right values.
you know, um, I saw you do a presentation during the United Nations General Assembly week, which was also the week of the Climate Action Week. Um, so I know you're familiar with the Sustainable Development Goals. Um, I always ask a question to my guest about the Sustainable Development Goals. And the question is, what do you want the listeners to know about the Sustainable Development Goals? Wow, thank you. So for me, the Sustainable Development Goals, what the listeners should know is it's everyone's responsibilities. For the Sustainable Development Goals to be achieved, it's not a matter of the government doing what is needed to do or the individuals taking their own small steps in different ways, but it's everyone's responsibility for us to be able to attain the sustainable development goals. Everyone has a role to play. Um, we, we always do the sessions of uh, sustainable development goals with the children. And what we help them understand is in each goal, there is an action that actually attains the help help someone to attain them. Like for example, children who carry food to school, sometimes they even can share the food to, to their neighbors or to their other children. And for me, I tell them that simple act is helping to attain zero hunger. Different actions that we take with different people at different levels, we are attaining the goals. So it has to be each and everyone's responsibility. And all the goals have to work together. Like the partnership through the goals is very key because you cannot attain um, uh, uh, gender equality. And at the same time, we're talking about poverty. Yes, gender equality is attained, but people are poor. Uh, still, there will be no balance. So the partnership of these all these goals is really key. So we have to work in a holistic way to be mm. able to attend, attain the SDGs. That's great. Um, you know, I mean, there are a growing group of people are indeed saying like you, is that, um, you know, you we need to work as individuals and as communities on trying to attain these sustainable development goals. And one of the things that they came up with is the inner development goals. They identified five inner development goals. The first goal is being then thinking, relating, collaborating, and action. Um, have you heard about these inner development goals? And when you hear me talk about it, uh, what are your thoughts? Oh, yes. I have heard about the inner development goals. And for me, uh, what my thoughts are around that is um, they're actually more of spearheading the attaining attainment of of uh, the sustainable development goals, because it's more about being able to acknowledge that we are able to drive this as people, as an individual. So being able to talk with someone about it and being able to take up the action. The other day, I just want to give an example, because the other day we were talking with a village forum in a village setup, and they were like, we don't have a road because uh, our leaders are saying they don't have the allocation of the money right now, but our road is deteriorating. You know what they did? They spoke among themselves and they were like, we can go there with our hose and jambes and we can make that road work. And they went there and dug that road by themselves. And that's really attaining development. So urbanization, 
being able to make their, their own road work. So you see, there was just one person who felt like it's an inner motivation. It's something that is from them, within them. And they're like, yeah, we can do this. And finally, there was an action. So the small actions that we do as a group or as an individual brings about the development, the, the achieving of the development goal. So the, the IDG, I, I, Inner Development Goal is really a great initiative that people need to embrace mm -hmm. and really start the actions towards develop, uh, attaining the Sustainable Development Goals. Great. Um, you know, a little piggybacking on on uh, the inner development goals that is relating and collaborating. What I hope to to do with this to achieve with this uh, podcast is also connect people so that you know they start listening better to each other and maybe a dialogue will start more understanding. So uh, one of the things that I started to do is connect you with the previous guest and the previous guest has a question for you what is the vision that sustains you the world that you are working towards well for me uh the vision that sustains me towards the world that i'm working towards is being able to acknowledge that i want to make my dad proud <laughs> that really sustains me because i'm like mm. my dad had a dream of a world that has no violence against women or children and really that keeps me working towards what I want to so I want to really create that legacy and in a way again for my own self I just want to do a revenge so <laughs> yeah because so much is hidden from children for me it's like why were they hiding the real act from us so it's like we want for children to feel like they can own their world and really do it. So, yeah. Uh, your question for the next guest. Well, my question for the next guest will be, um, what is their small action that they are doing to ensure sustainable goals are being attained Great. what are their small actions okay Ta talking about small uh, actions or, or simple act uh, of kindness um in in the us there is a, a person called steve hartman of cbs and he examines at the moment uh, how one simple act of kindness creates a ripple effect uh, my question to you is what are your thoughts about one simple act of kindness and, you know, the potential to create a ripple effect? And then the second part of the question to you is, if I would ask you right now on the spot to, to come up with one simple act of kindness that you would do this week, what would you do? Well, let me say about the simple act of kindness causing a ripple effect. Using my own story. For me, I was about to drop off high school because I didn't have someone to pay fees for me because my mom was training with five of us. And there is one person who paid for my fees all, all, all from California, came as a missionary and 
really paid for my school fees, paid for my high school fees and my university fees. And return, I am here as a founder of direct and the director of Safe and Gate Foundation. And return, I have been able to support more than 38 children to get to get financial support with their education. And I have also rescued over 400 girls from FGM. Look at that. I wouldn't be able to do that if that one person will not have been able to pay for my high school. See, that is a really great thing because when you help one person is able to even support more and bring about great change. One, one thing, act of kindness that I'm planning to do this week and hoping it will do a ripple effect too, is we are training, I mean, um, we are having a women's session that we are training over 30 women to make uh, baskets, like the baskets that you can put in, things inside and carry around with. So that one we're starting this week. And I'm hoping that that act itself, it's really going to support more many other women. So this is something that we are, it's a new group that we are taking in this week. Mm. Wonderful. Yeah. And I'm excited um, about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Christine, you you um, you shared a lot. So I, I think we got to know you very well. Um, I want to, I have a question that helps even to get you to get to know you more, even more. And that is, um, I, I really love music. So I always have a question about music as well. So uh, what I'm going to ask you is, if I ask you to mention a song that embodies for a big part what you are about, which song would that be and why? Wow. The song. Amenifanyia Amani. It's a Swahili song, though. <laughs> and what it is about? So it says he's given me peace. The Almighty has given me peace, has taken away my shame, has given me more information to understand and to do that which pertains him. Yeah. I I assume it's you know that song is not on Spotify or maybe I'm mistaken. Um, so if, if it's not on Spotify, is there also a song that um, you know that is partly about you that we can find on Spotify? And, and because I I made a, a Spotify uh, playlist of songs that you know represent or that are selected by my guests. So is is there? So two, two yeah. things. One, I'm, I'm assuming that the song you just sang, thank you for that and explaining it, um, is not on Spotify. So um, if not, is there another song that, um, you know, you... Yeah, could... I have another song. Yeah. And that could be I Am a Superwoman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Superwoman. I think that should be in the Spotify. I am a superwoman, superwoman. Then it highlights the characteristics of superwomen. Uh -huh. Yeah, that would be um, my song. Okay. Do you know the Do you know the singer? I can find the singer maybe. 
I really don't know the singer. I'm not so much into music and fans, but okay. I listen to them have like not with anything planned, but I can look for the singer. Okay. Just just type Superwoman. It should bring the... Yeah, we will we will find it. Okay. Any message, invitation, or question for the listeners? Uh, as I said, it's everyone's responsibility to ensure that uh, the SDGs are attained, and therefore it's everyone's responsibility to take up action, whichever small action that you take to support the work of Safe Engage Foundation, it will actually mean supporting the whole community towards ensuring child protection. Okay. Um, we are almost coming to an end. These conversations always go fast. Um, any any question that I should have asked you, but I didn't? Oh, wow. <laughs> really? I think you asked me all the questions. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah. Okay, that's, 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 uh, that's great. I... I um, you know, I will ensure that um, your bio, as well as the website, and I don't know if your organization is on social media, that we will share that in the podcast notes. Um, so, I mean, but just for the for the to make sure that we have that correct. What what is the what is your website? Uh, www slash safeengagefoundation.org okay yeah and and you know if people want to read more about uh, although you have told explained a lot uh, already about your organization what you do um, anyway if they want to know more they can go to the website and I assume that they can also find out how they can support your work as well on, on the website yes sure they, yeah sure they in the website there is also a way you can donate you can volunteer and you can reach us yeah and also uh we'll send you links to our social media pages that is facebook linkedin uh, twitter and instagram okay uh, christine thank you so much for your willingness to talk with me today um you know thank you for everything you do for who you are and keep it going Thank you for all that you do to connect people and uh, and just let them actually read and know more about the stories around the world and take action. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And hopefully we contribute a little bit to that, right? So every little bit uh, will help. Thank you for listening to Walk, Talk, Listen. Please check us out on 100mile.org or follow us on Facebook or Instagram.